Welcome to the Discomfort by Design podcast, where we showcase people who chase discomfort, live life on the fringe, and pursue high adventure. We bring you the stories that inspire you to go find out. Now here's your host, Taylor Quick. What's going on, everybody? Welcome to another episode of Discomfort by Design. How about that new intro for the show? My buddy Jake Phillips did a fantastic job with this intro. Jake is a voiceover actor based in Starkville, Mississippi. He is an amazing guy. He's a great husband, great father. He's a friend of uh, mine, a friend of this show, and I'm going to have him on at some point in the near future. Um, he does such a great job with voices, man. That's his thing. And he, you've heard his voice on Sunday night football commercials, on car commercials, all sorts of things. His voice is out there everywhere. So if, uh, if you have need of voiceover work, please reach out to Jake. I'm going to link his uh, information in the show description. So if that's something you think, man, hey, I could use this for my business or I could use this for uh, uh, some creative project that you're working on, Jake can do anything you need him to. And in the event that he can't, he's got connections all over the industry with people who can. So uh, check him out. And uh, if you've got anything you need done voiceover wise, definitely, definitely give him a call. His information is in the show description. Today, we're joined by my friend Colin Cottrell. I've met Colin recently at Sornex Outdoors Winter Strong. Had been interacting with him on social media prior to that, but really got a chance to talk with him and to learn a little bit more about him when I met him in person back in February. And since then, we've started kind of cultivating a friendship and learned a whole lot about who he is what he's about, what his why is, and what he's working on. So he's got some really cool things that we're going to talk about. He's got an awesome new business venture that he has just started called High Caliber Hunts. Uh, and that is a really neat thing. So he's had a couple of uh, the hunt camps already. So this is in full swing uh, with more things coming up. You'll hear a lot of the details about that in the show. Uh, if you uh, like this show, you like what you're hearing, you like the guests, please Go and leave us a rating and a review. Subscribe to the show. It absolutely helps us grow. Uh, I am blown away by the response to the show so far, so I really, really appreciate everyone who has jumped on and listened. Uh, blows my mind that uh, very quickly we're on multiple continents and in multiple countries, um, and it, it is just absolutely blowing my mind. So I can't wait to see where this goes and how it grows. But that is all thanks to you, the listener. And please continue to like and share. Please continue to help push it and help grow it. It would mean the world to me. So without further ado, we're going to jump right into this one. Here is my friend, Colin Cottrell. What's up, brother? I am here today with Colin Cottrell. How you doing, my man? I'm doing good, Taylor. Thanks for having me on the podcast, buddy. I appreciate it. Yeah, man, absolutely. I, uh, as I was kind of telling you before we, we started recording, I, I've been looking forward to getting a chance to sit down and talk with you. Um, came across you on social media just through some mutual friends, uh, Scott Davis kind of being one of them. I know you've shared hunting yep. with Scott before and Brandon Lilly. And uh, seen you uh, interacting with those guys, hunting off with those guys, and then uh, had a chance to meet you this year at Winter Strong over at uh, Sornex Farms. <laughs> And, uh, man, I, ever since then, and seeing what you're doing and all that, I was like, man, I got to talk to this guy. And, uh, <laughs> yeah. And so, uh, man, I was glad we were able to make it work and, and find a time that worked for both of us and, uh, and get this thing going. I know you've got some, some, uh, stuff coming up at the end of this week. So I appreciate you sitting down with me, bud. 
Oh, no problem, Taylor. I appreciate it, man. It just, it's awesome. It's, it's so cool how, you know, we can be connected through mutual friends. And then, you know, we got an opportunity to meet each other at uh, Winter Strong, you know, just a few months ago. And, and now we're, we're, uh, we're, we're, we're talking quite a bit through social media, back and forth, staying connected with each other, building, you know, building the friendship and, and now we're podcasting. So I love, I love how that works, man. When you get around like-minded people, people that are, you know, uh, leveling up and growing in their life, you know, you just want to continue to meet other people like that. So it's really cool to get this opportunity to chat with you and talk more about all that kind of stuff. Yeah, man. So like that's that's kind of been the whole theme and, and reason I wanted to do this podcast to begin with is because I look at where I was two, three years ago where I am now and, and the people that I've surrounded myself with through that time mm-hmm. have been a big catalyst for the reasons that I've grown as a person, the changes that I've made in my own life, the changes I continue to make. And so this podcast was a manifestation of that in my life and being Mm -hmm. able to just get that out, right? Because in my opinion, one of the best things you can do is surround yourself with great people and and learn from them and then also share with them, right? And so that's what I wanted to do with this, man, is find people who had awesome stories to tell, um, had great content to share. And and, and a lot of those people may not be very well-known people. some of them might be, you know, I mean, we've had Jack Donovan on the show. He's a great author, mm-hmm. uh, great speaker. I know you had him in hunt camp. Um, yep. we'll talk a little bit about your hunt camps here in a little bit, but, um, like I've had, I've had him and Bert Soren on, he's, you know, big name guys that everybody <laughs> that, you know, I, I rub shoulders with all those people. They know, you know, Jack and Bert like that. Duh. Um, but then, you know, I also had, uh, Corey Bell on, who's a, a strength and conditioning coach. That's, uh, doing some really, really rad things, man. And then Tom Kingwell last week, who's doing some awesome stuff in the, um, uh, he's doing the men's coaching thing on the fatherhood side of stuff. And so now, oh, cool. uh, yeah, he's a really awesome guy. So now kind of coming around and, and bringing you in and, and man, I'm, I'm freaking excited because everybody brings such a unique perspective and everybody has something to offer, but everybody I've talked to has also always been just like absolutely open with sharing. And like, it's not just, hey, let me talk. It's what can I get as well? And how can I exchange? How can we both grow? And those are kind of people yeah. I to talk to, man. And I think you embody that. So I'm, I'm freaking excited about it. So yeah. um, let's, cool. let's jump off in, man. And what, t- so tell us about Colin, man. Where are you from? Um, what do you do? How did you get here? All of that. Just, just give us your background. <laughs> yeah, I'll I'll try to keep it somewhat short and sweet because it's it can be a long story for sure. You know, I grew up in Central Minnesota. Um, oh man, let's see. I I I, uh, I was born uh, you know into a family where hunting and the outdoors was something we're super super passionate about. We, it was a pretty small town, five hundred people, uh, Central Minnesota, poorest county in Minnesota. And, uh, you know, just the way of life was hunting outdoors, farming, that kind of community, you know, small town feel, um, you know, not, not a lot of people leave where I come from. So it's kind of cool that I've expanded and, 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 and kind of got out of that mold um, to get out in the world and, and try to share my passions and what I'm all about. But yeah, man, that, that's kind of my background, my family background. I grew up in a, in a like, like I said, a small town and, and we just, you know, hunting was it was something we did to actually put food on our table so you know for me that kind of became a passion and as I went off to college and I started to uh, kind of you know find out what I wanted to do for my life 
I realized that this hunting thing was something that I could do um, for the rest of my life and not just as a hunter, but, you know, like work with different companies on the marketing side, um, different things like that. I, I, you know, we didn't have a lot of social media, you know, growing up when I, you know, when I was growing up, I'm, I'm that, that's how old I am. So, <laughs> uh, you know, like we had MySpace and we had some of this uh, Facebook and stuff like that, just getting started. So I started to have this talent for understanding how to, you know, do marketing on social media, how to use different tools and stuff like that to build businesses. And from there, um, I, I started to make my niche in the hunting space. So from there, it kind of grew. I started to build my business. Uh, this was like 15 years ago, Taylor. So it, it was a little while ago. Um, you know, and just my niche in the hunting space grew from there. I built a lot of relationships. I, I you know, I had a, I built a lot of friendships, um, did a lot of really cool work. Uh, with different clients and stuff like that. But uh, over the years, I, you know, I, I was also really young and I was, I was maturing and I was going through this stage where, you know, being in the limelight, you know, working with all these cool clients that were like celebrities and different things like that. And, and uh, what was like, was, I don't know, was like my highlight, but it was also something that I, it was my crutch because I wasn't living my life the way I should have been. I wasn't uh, being the kind of person that I should have been. So I went through a lot of changes through my 20s with, with a lot of success. There, there came a lot of failure. And from there, I ended up, uh, you know, I ended up selling one of my businesses, which was, which was pretty cool. But um, I ended up getting married and having a child at that time. And from there, you know, I had to kind of re rehash through my life and realize like, hey, what's my why? What, what am I all about? Who am I? You know, I, my words don't match up with my actions and my actions don't match up with my words. So I, you know, that's, that's kind of where I'm at now. I've went through this, you know, this stage over the last five, six years of, you know, obviously, you know, you're married with kids. It, it's, it's kind of crazy. You know, it really levels you up in your life. If you don't level up, you basically, I mean, you lose your life. So <laughs> it, it's, it's, I'm at that point now where I went over the last five, six years, of growing and just trying to uh, learn who I am, learn what my why is. And that's kind of where I am today. You know, I've, I've went through all these different stages and, and kind of become this guy who is passionate about hunting and marketing and the outdoors. But I, I'm also passionate about self-growth and, and leveling up in life and how important that is. And, you know, just getting back to kind of how we open this podcast, you know, where you were talking a lot about, you know, like-minded people and, and how, you know, the people you surround yourself with are, were super important to your own personal growth. And that's, and that's where I'm at, like surrounding myself with good like-minded people that are leveling up and growing in life is, is, is why I am where I am today. Um, and so, yeah, that's, that's kind of a little bit about me. I kind of jumped all over the place, but, uh, but yeah, man, I think that'll get us off the ground here and you can, you can kind of um, ask some questions from there. No, no, man, I think that's perfect. And you know, the, the thing is, and and this is some of the things that jump off at me. Like you're from Minnesota, you moved to Texas. Why would you do that? <laughs> Most yeah. people from Minnesota don't move to Texas. Yeah, that's that's interesting. And yeah, there's a lot of gaps to fill here with my story. <laughs> but um, so after college, I, w I went to school for a couple of years for communications, and uh, actually I played college football as well. So I know you and I kind of uh, you know went back and forth on the, uh, you know being college the college coaching the college football thing. And uh, anyway, when I was in college, you know, I kind of had this dream, like to move out West, like to get out of Minnesota and move out West and start hunting out West. And, 
And actually, uh, Cameron Haynes wrote a book about backcountry bow hunting. And back then, I I had read that book um, when I was in college, and it just like inspired me so much that I was like, you know what? If I ever get a chance, I'm gonna move out west, and I'm gonna start learning how to bow hunt out west, and I'm gonna you know just enjoy what it's like to be out of Minnesota. And uh, so I ended up after college, I ended up moving out to Mo- Bozeman, Montana for a couple of years. Nice. And while I was, <laughs> which is kind of cool, and uh, just kind of living my Western dreams, um, running my running my uh, business at the time, I ended up was in a hunting camp with uh, a guy here from Texas, uh, my, my buddy, Robert Hogue. And he, he started a website called bowhunting.net, which was the first bow hunting website ever. And uh, he started that website back in 1996, which is kind of cool. But anyway, he uh, he I met him in that hunting camp and we hit it off quite a bit. And then that next spring, he's like, hey, why don't you come out to Texas and, and uh, you know, come out and uh, do some hog hunting with me and hang out with me a little bit? Because he was a business guy and I was a business guy and we could help each other out. Oh, I, I ended up going out to Texas that next year and just fell in love with Texas, like, I mean, I was like, man, this is an awesome place. The people are awesome. A lot of, you can hunt all year round with wild pigs and exotics. Um, being a bow hunter, that's like a dream. <laughs> and then, you know, just the weather. Like, I love the heat. I, I don't mind. I don't mind the heat at all. So just being here, you know, the winters are super nice and mild. And the summers are hot and, and warm. And I was just like, you know what? This is my place. So, <clears throat> excuse me. I ended up... Uh, ended up packing up my bags uh, within that next year and uh, I, I moved to, I moved to central Texas and I've been to Texas I've been living here in Texas now for about 11 years which is pretty cool to think about man that's that is awesome see I'm, I'm the complete opposite I I'm not a big fan of the hot <laughs> I mean I grew, up, <laughs> I grew up in Mississippi so I mean I'm very used to it I mean the difference here like I mean people people talk about the heat and all this other, but like, I mean, the humidity here is just absolutely ridiculous. So like we swim through the oxygen in the summertime, um, mm-hmm. you know, you take a shower and go outside and you're, you, you know, you have to dry off twice. It's things like that. Um, but you all know, that humidity, man, it's so I, I can, humid. I, yeah, I can relate with that growing up in Minnesota around all the lakes. That's how summer is for us too. It's like, it's that wet, you know, humid summer, summer uh, time months, you know, it's, yes. it's just crazy. Which is nice about Texas is it's where I'm at here in San Antonio. It's not really as humid. It's a right. little more dry, and so I, I kind of like that dry. It's a little more deserty type feel, you know, not quite Arizona, just that good mix. So I don't mind it as much, but I know exactly <laughs> what you're talking about. I mean, dude, it's it's nuts. You're talking about college football, so. Um... <laughs> You know, when, when I played junior college ball, it wasn't an issue because we were on grass. But so after I left junior college and I, and I went to Ole Miss for a year, um, and the summer the summer that I was up there, I went through six pair of cleats in the summer because we would go outside and run in the stadium on Fridays. And yep. um, so we'd run on the turf. Uh, we, we, ran, we ran stadiums it's specifically on Fridays, but like on Tuesdays and Thursdays and stuff like that, we would go run on the turf outside. And the lifting group that I was in, you know, we started our lift and then did our running at the end. Um, and so, like, it was getting to the point of the heat of the day in June and oh, July. Oh, my goodness. And so, like, dude, it would be like 135, 140 on the turf. And, like, the, the, the glue that held the bottom of the cleats to the actual shoe would melt. And you would literally <laughs> run off of your cleats 
Like, so, I mean, I went through like six pair in the summer and I was like, this is ridiculous. Yeah, um, that, that's crazy. I can relate with that too. Not that our cleats were falling apart like that, but you know, we, we'd get into August, kind of the dog days of summer mm-hmm. and that just that humid heat, man, it would just get so, I mean, it would be, you know, you'd touch into sometimes into that hundred degree range at some point, you know, 90, hundred degree range. Then we jump into two a days, you know, right away. And you're just like dying, you know, you, you do that morning, that morning uh, workout or that morning uh, practice. And then we'd co- always have to come back to that afternoon practice. That afternoon practice was killer, man. Brutal. I think they actually, I think they actually outlawed. Now, I, you know, looking back, I think our, we're a little weaker in, in our society today, unfortunately. But I think they actually outlawed doing two-a-day workouts now. In they Minnesota did. At that time of the year. Yeah, it's so. outlawed <laughs> nationwide. Like, you can't even – the NCA can't do uh, two-a-day practice anymore. So, I mean, like, like you, you can have, like, a walkthrough in the mornings, like a walkthrough, yep. and then practice in the evening or vice versa. But, like, I mean, yeah, it's weird. I mean, I, I survived two-a-days in cold plunges. I mean, like, that was, that was kind of my thing. Like, I'd get – I'd go through practice and be hot as I could get, and then at the end, just go jump straight into the ice bath. And and yep. that, was, that was the way that I, I lived through junior college. I was like, man, this is nuts. We had dudes that would fall out left, right, and center. I mean, seriously, the first week of two-a-days in junior college, we sent like eight people to the hospital to get IV bags. And I was like, this is nuts. Absolutely freaking wild. So if you if you've never really paid attention to what junior college is like in Mississippi – um, there, you know, people watch that documentary series, um, last chance you on Netflix and stuff. And that does show yeah. somewhat of a picture of it, but you know, that, that documentary, I guess that started in about 2015 or so, 14, somewhere else like, like that. 10 years before that, when I was doing it, it was a whole different animal. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it wasn't near the amount of uh, social media accountability that players get to hold people to now. So it was kind of, kind of a lot more, <laughs> uh, craziness happening but you know yeah, our, our coaches did a good job our athletic training staff did a good job we didn't have anybody ever get seriously injured or anything like that but you know when you're when you're doing that it's it's you've got guys that are they come to junior college for one of two reasons either they were uh, on the cusp of being physically ready to play at the division one level and just weren't quite there yet and they had something to prove to yep. a coach that hey I, I'm, I, I can be that guy I can do that and I can get there, or they were physically ready, but their grades weren't good enough. And so yep, they yep. had to, they, not only did they have to get the grades, but they also had to show the coaches that they were still the same player that they were going to recruit in high school. So like junior college, everybody is just, it's dog eat dog, man, because they're, you're, yeah. you know, best case scenario, you're there six months to 12 months and you're gone. And, and so like, there's no time to, take your time and figure things out. Like it is go, 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 right? Go, go, go. Yep. And so it was, it was like that, man. So guys were competing their tails off. And so it would be, you know, dudes falling out, having to go get IV bags and then they're right back (laughs) in practice the next day. And it's like, dang, man. Um, But it it was, but also one of the funnest times of my life. Dude, playing junior college football was a blast. I had so much fun. It's interesting to think about that, though, just to reflect on that, because, you know, you you know that some of those guys were thinking, man, this is my only way out. Like, this is my only way out of whatever situation they were in. You know, maybe they were in a bad situation at home or maybe they didn't want to be back in that small hometown and wherever they were from, you know, and like they were thinking, man, if I can get D1, I can get that scholarship, work for that scholarship. I can get that. You know, I can get out of there. You know, I can get into a better situation. Yeah, so the guy that – there was a guy who was a year ahead of me when I got to Heinz Community College. 
Hines is just outside of Jackson, Mississippi. So there's a whole lot of um, very low economic area around mm-hmm. there. Mm-hmm. Um, phenomenal athletes, but we had this we had this one guy he played offensive line, and he played uh, he played the opposite side from me. And I mean, he made me look small. Um, dude was <laughs> huge. Uh, and, and I'm not going to say his name just for his own privacy's sake, but he told me one time, he was like, man, he told me some of the stuff that he dealt with at home, um, where he comes from and things like that. And he was like, I'm not going back. So I have no yeah. choice. He's like, I don't care who's in front of me. I don't care who stands between me and that. I'm not going back. And to his credit, he went on to a Division One scholarship and played 11 years in the NFL. And That's he never cool. had to go back. So, I mean, that, that was kind of the thing. Like, you either saw those guys or you saw dudes that we all – I mean, we also had guys get arrested for doing stupid stuff, and they went to jail, and they never came out. I mean, yep. so, I mean, we were on both sides of that spectrum, and those were the kind of people that you were around. So, you were either seeing those high-achieving, high-performing people who were like, you know, no matter what is in front of me, I do not care. I am going to do what I am going to do, and you are not yep. going to stop me. Then you also had guys that couldn't get out of their own way. So, I mean, it was a great microchasm of like what life looks like. So, I mean, like, yeah. you, could, you could really get an idea. Um, and I, I would tell anybody that asks, playing junior college football is, benefits everybody. I wish everybody could do it, but it ain't for everybody. I promise you that. Um, yeah, of course. But anyway, man, now, so I, you, uh, you, you, you sell your business and all that, and you get started with other stuff, and you start looking around, and then now you have launched this new thing. So I want to know where High Caliber Hunts came from. So if you're listening right now, uh, Colin has started a business called High Caliber Hunts. It was something that's really intriguing. It has a really cool purpose, a great mission. Um, he's had two hunt camps that, have, that, I, that I've seen that go through right now. Um, you know, we, we spoke briefly about that with Jack Donovan being in that first one. Uh, one of my really good friends, Brandon Langlois, was just in the most recent one, had some great things to say about that experience. So, man, talk about yeah. the adventure and what that looks like and uh, what the purpose is, how it came about, all that. Yeah, so kind of back up a little bit. You know, I, I did mention I've been in this hunting industry thing for a while and, and just through my you know, my marketing work and my, and my work as an entrepreneur building different, a couple different businesses in the hunting space. Um, you know, I always knew that I, I wanted to continue to build some different businesses in that space. That's where I have a great network of people. And like I mentioned, you know, it's, it's my passion. Hunting in the outdoors is, is something I'm super passionate about. I love it on a personal level and I love it on a level where, you know, I can take others and, and introduce others to hunting and, and the outdoor community as well. So it kind of, you know, as you know, I'll fast forward back, you know, to, to present time now, you know, I, I had this idea a couple of years ago through my own self growth that, man, wouldn't it be cool to, you know, be in a hunting camp, you know, and, and you and I both know this as, as hunters, Taylor, you know, we love that hunting camp uh, time, you know, you know, it's time where you're, hanging out with good people. Typically, you know, you're, uh, you're eating good food, you're telling cool stories around the campfire, and then you're all, you know, you're hunting together. You're, you're, you're out there doing something you're passionate about. So, you know, that's, that's where, <coughs> excuse me, that's where high caliber hunts kind of comes from. It's the idea of that hunting camp atmosphere, but now you're kind of mixing that with high caliber guys or high caliber people, you know, where you're getting people in this hunting camp together who, you know, our guys who are on this path of self-improvement, self-growth, 
um, and leveling up in their life in different ways, whether it's their business, you know, their, their physical side, their, their business side, um, their personal side as a dad and, a, you know, and a, and a husband in their community, maybe, you know, there's, there's, a, you know, we're all as high level guys, we're all working towards different goals and different things and trying to achieve greatness in our life. And, you know, as we kind of mentioned before at the start of this podcast, you know, being around like-minded people that are on that same path, is super important for us. It's, it's what help us, helps us continue to grow and level up in our life. Those kind of people are going to hold us accountable to our goals and the things that we want to achieve. And, uh, you know, to spend that time around them as much as possible is super important. So, you know, the idea basically is, you know, you get into a hunting camp, um, where we're doing different hog hunts or we're going to do some deer hunts, turkey hunts, whatever, bear, bear camp, you know, different styles of hunts. It just happens to be that I live in Texas where hog hunting and exotics and stuff like that, you, we can hunt them all year. So that was kind of my first base deal. I was like, you know, it'd be really cool to just do like a hog hunting camp. It's a pretty accessible thing here in Texas. Um, I've worked as a guide and an outfitter the last four or five years. So I've got opportunity to uh, lease out some different properties for this and some different facility and accommodation. So we're going to get some high level guys together for a hunt, but then it, within that time in camp, you know, we, you're going to have that downtime. We're going to spend time talking about our businesses. We're going to spend time talking about <clears throat> our different goals that we're working on, the different things we're trying to achieve in life. So it was really cool. Like, our, the first a full hunting camp we have is a three-day, two-night, you know, all-inclusive type uh, hog hunting camp. And, you know, we had, like you mentioned, we had Jack Donovan in that camp. And we had, you know, eight other guys, seven other guys in that camp. So eight hunters total. We had a couple guides. We had a camp cook. You know, it's just, it's just bringing all these really good guys together. And we, we're talking about our businesses. We're talking about the different, like I said, the goals we're working on, those kinds of things. Um, and then this last last weekend, we had another camp. It was my second full camp. Um, in that camp, we had, uh, um, you know, just eight other eight more guys that were just high level, high achieving guys. Some of them were new hunters. You know, you mentioned uh, Brandon. Brandon's a new hunter. He's kind of been on this journey of becoming a new hunter and, and, and getting into bow hunting and stuff like that. So, you know, it's it, it's cool. You get these guys in camp and everybody wants to help each other grow. Everybody wants to help each other learn, learn more, not just on hunting, but also on a personal side as well. So um, what a, what an experience it's been so far. You know, there's really nothing like it in the hunting space that's mixing that personal development side with the hunting side. So it's really unique. It's really cool. It, there's, there's not, you know, there's really nothing like it. So it's kind of a, it's a hard thing for people to understand, but once you get into a, you know, a high caliber hunting camp, you're going to see the value of the experience of being around those like-minded people. And you and I already know this because we, we, we seek out and try to surround ourselves with those kind of people. But if you're somebody who maybe is just on this path, you know, in life of, you know, trying to level up and grow and you don't really know where to go or where to start, even coming into a hunting camp, and uh, investing that time and in that, into that experience um, is going to be a great place for you to get started because you're going to you're going to be inspired. You're going to be around guys that are really successful, doing a lot of really cool things. And guys, and some of these guys are just you know maybe they're inspired inspired to get on this journey as well. So, yeah, man, that's kind of a <laughs> I tried to lay that out quickly for you, but that's a little bit about what the venture's about. 
and it's and it's exciting, man. It, there's a lot of cool things coming, a lot of different, you know, hunting camp opportunities, different, you know, adventures. Really, the idea behind it is adventures with an impact, and uh, you know, these hunting adventures are going to trickle down into into families and communities. I believe the impact that you're, we're going to see, you know, guys are going home inspired. And they want to change, uh, you know, change the people around them for the better. They want to grow for the better. So, no, man, I think I, I love that. And and let me let me say this too for anyone who's listening. Um, I, I'm pretty sure most of the audience at this point is going to be kind of very pro hunting or at least not anti hunting. Um, <laughs> but you know, if, if you're listening to this and you know, like your your first immediate thought is a oh, hunting, oh my gosh. Well, you know, I, I want to make sure that we say this because it's very important. One of the benefits to going into hunt camp with people such as yourself and some of the guys that you bring in to assist you with this for people who might be new or relatively inexperienced hunters is that you are making sure that A, they're learning how to do things ethically and morally, yeah. right? So, I mean, at the end of the day, our, our job as hunters is, is, is to be conservationist and, and, and we protect the resource and we value the resource probably more so than anyone else does oh yeah and, absolutely and you know it, we we, we want to make sure that when we decide to take an animal that that's done ethically it's done quickly um because you know you know as well as i do man a, a, there's a natural death for an animal is you very often pretty gruesome uh it's violent yeah. uh and, and, it, and it's not quick and easy whereas an arrow or a bullet is just very fast they expire within minutes, if not seconds. Um, there's not that release of adrenaline and cortisol where they get stressed out. It's just like, oh, and then they just go to sleep and that's it. Um, I, and honestly, I would think it's probably the most humane thing other than, you know, just falling, you know, an animal that just dies in old age, not from starvation or anything like that, but like, a, it would be almost like a pet that just got old and passed away. It's that, well, I would, it's I would, that much easier. I would say it's, I would say it's even more inhumane than that because that can that can be drawn out pretty absolutely pretty long, really you know. <laughs> we we've all seen people who've had dogs or, or cats or something that live well past a natural age because they're not living a natural life, you know. They're they're living yeah. inside. It's very pampered and, and curated for them. Um, but so that's that's important. I want to make sure that everybody knows that this this is not we're just going out there and playing freaking shoot 'em up. That <laughs> no. that these are very specific animals that you're choosing mature animals. Um, the animals that you take, taking them is going to benefit the herd when you're managing the herd, or in the event that we're talking about hogs, it's going to benefit the land and the rest of the animals that are on it because, um, you know, and you can speak on this as well. We have them in Mississippi in droves, but hogs are an invasive species and they're yeah. out of control. They eat up everything they can eat up. They do not compete with other animals in the region. They just win. They, they do yeah. because they they're they overpopulate in a hurry and they tear up everything. And so controlling that population is good for the land resource. It's good for the other animals in the area. Not to mention it's great protein that's natural, as organic as it comes, and it's filled to table, which is, you know, kind of we're starting to see a big movement with that where people are beginning to question where their meat comes from in the grocery store. How did it get yeah. into this little piece of styrofoam with the, with the little clear packaging on it? How did that happen? Where did it come from? Well, when you engage in a high caliber hunt or any hunt for that matter, you know exactly where it came from. Oh yeah, exactly. So when I exactly. go out, 
and kill a deer, I know, hey, that deer lived its entire life pretty much right here in Neshoba County, Mississippi. It ate acorns, it ate grass, it ate sticks and leaves, may have had some corn, might have wandered over into Miss Mabel's garden and got into some turnips. <laughs> you never know. What I do know is, is that animal was not fed anything processed and, and full of hormones and garbage. It lived a robust, natural life, the way that God designed it to live. Yeah. And then I took it ethically, cleanly, processed it with my own hands, and now I'm putting it on a table in front of my family. I have no questions about whether or not what I'm putting down in front of my wife and kids is fit for them to consume. There's no question. Yeah, man. Yeah, and you, you hit the nail on the head, man. It's 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 about being, you know, uh, you know, conservationist, man. We, you know, we put we're, we've been on this earth for how many, you know, thousands of years, and what have we done? We've, you know, killed our own food and, and brought it back to help our families survive. So it's nothing new. Unfortunately, uh, our world has changed and, and and has, you know, doesn't understand where its food comes from anymore. So it's it's even it's kind of sad that we even have to say that and, and and talk about it in the way that we are right now but we do and it's important that we look at you know talk about things in the right light and yeah high, when you come on a high caliber hunt of course you know we're 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 here to you know facilitate that process for you to help you understand you know how to you know cl uh, cleanly and ethically kill an animal you know uh we like we've had several new hunters already come through we have a lot of people already reaching out just kind of with the momentum that we have um, I had like three different women reach out to me the other day because we're going to be putting together a women's hunting camp and uh, my, which my wife is going to be part of. And, uh, you know, they're like, oh, do I need to, you know, I want to start hunting. My family hunted growing up, but my dad never really taught me, you know, I, I don't really know where to start. So I'm like showing them, you know, how to sign up for hunters education, those kinds of things. So, yeah, I mean, I'm all about, you know, helping people down that process of learning how to hunt, learning how to shoot well, you know, being ethical and learning, learning how to kill animals quickly and humanely. And then from there, you, know, you get into a high caliber hunting camp and yeah, we're going to have an opportunity to uh, potentially kill your first animal or, or just kill an animal. Um, but here's the thing, Taylor, like here's what's a little bit different about a high caliber hunting camp. We, you know, we obviously as guides and outfit in, a, in an outfit, we want to have you come in and have an opportunity to, you know, kill an animal and, and take home that meat. But that doesn't always happen. You know, when you have a couple days to hunt, you know, the reality is, is hunting is something that's not easy. It's hard and it takes time. And, uh, you know, you might come into a camp and maybe not necessarily have an opportunity to kill something, or it might be that you miss your opportunity to kill something as well. So we don't really preach a lot about the killing and the, you know, you know, the hunting side of it, where it's, like that's the most important thing because it's definitely not the most important thing. It's it's getting yourself around those like-minded people coming into a camp where you're gonna take so much for, for take so much more from that experience than just the hunting aspect of it. You're gonna take you know so much stuff from just the people you're surrounded with when it comes to you know the experience and, and you know how they can help you level up in your life and how you can help them level up. Yeah, man. So like, that's, that's the thing. We've been in hunting camp. We understand, but that's the really neat part of it. That's the magic, right? Cause yes. like you go off and you hunt and you may never kill anything that just happened to me. So I, I just got back from a trip <laughs> to Missouri 
Yep. Um, we, we, me and my five-year-old son, it's his first time going off. I mean, I've taken him hunting around the house. We deer hunt with me a lot. Um, yeah. We, we went turkey hunting in Missouri and we got up there and, and we drove around kind of, kind of scouting and looking. So in Missouri, you can't turkey hunt after 1 p.m. So you have from, okay. you have from daybreak until 1 p.m. to hunt and then shooting hours are over. Um, it's not, it's not like that in Mississippi In Mississippi, if, if it's daylight and you, you can bust it. Um, but you know, and that, and that's fine. So we drove around, we got up there Thursday afternoon, we drove around and looking, we're seeing a lot of turkey sign, we're seeing turkeys everywhere and it looks great. Well, that night blasted tornado literally comes like, oh, man. right to where we are. So like for the last month here in Mississippi, we've had like tornadic weather every single week for like a solid month. And so I'm yep. thinking, man, we're going off to Missouri. The weather's going to be great. I'm sick of these tornadoes anyway. <laughs> hey, guess what? <laughs> yeah. I'm there. Tornado coming right at where we are. Anyway, that was fine. No big deal. It just kind of ended up being a severe thunderstorm that dissipated a little bit by the time it got to us. And so we went um, the next day. We went hunting that morning. Um, me and my father-in-law were hunting together. And my son and his great-grandfather were hunting together. Um, yeah. Part of part of that is because of where we were hunting is kind of in the Ozarks, and so it's not uh, it's not conducive for a five year old or for a, a seventy one year old man to be chasing those turkeys up and down <laughs> yeah. those Ozark hills. So me and my father in law Robin went man, and we we didn't hear anything in the morning really, and then we kind of started we, we went to another area, started looking around, scouting a little bit, and we were parked out on this huge huge right of way power line. Um, and so this is like right over um, beside Fort Leonard Wood. And so like you yep. can hear the artillery going off in the background the entire time. Just boom, boom, boom. And then they started shooting the big gun. And buddy, let me tell you something. That dude was absolutely forevermore ringing. So we're all looking. And so we're all going back to the truck. And I, get and sit, I sit in the driver's seat and I look across this power line. And probably like about a half a mile to a mile down the power line, I see some turkeys so put the binos yep. up it's like all right there's four hens and one one gobbler he's out there strutting they're walking down the hill and we're parked up on the opposite hill so like it's kind of kind of converged down towards each other so me and my father-in-law put our stuff back on get in the woods and start tracking out towards these turkeys and we get level with them and i spot him out in this power line and we start kind of easing our way over there and, and for people who don't know about turkeys they don't hear exceptionally well like you're not gonna spook them with a lot of sound unless you're right on top of them, but those dudes can see a long way. Oh yeah. And movement, the slightest movement, they're gone. Cause they, they, anything that's out of place, they're out. And so like, you gotta be super careful. And so we're like creeping over there. And so like, there's these hills between us and him and we're kind of riding these hills and going up and down and kind of getting in position. And we get about 30 yards from him. He's easily in shooting range. But the problem is, is where we're sitting, we can't get any closer. And there's a little hill between us and him. And so my father-in-law starts calling, and dude, he's cutting him off. Every time he'd, he'd call, that dude would gobble right back at him. We thought he'd start coming, but every time he'd start coming towards us, the hens start clucking at him and pulling back. Anyway, long story short, one of the hens alerted on us, and they all took off. So we didn't get a shot. Oh, yeah. And, and so that's the first day. We're like, man, we know right where to come. This is going to be good. We're going to kill this turkey. The next morning, we woke up to 50-mile-an-hour winds. I mean, clear skies beautiful with wind 50 to 60 miles an hour like i've never seen anything like it and it wasn't straight line winds it was swirling winds 
And it sounded like an airplane was flying right above my head the entirety of the day. <laughs> Can't hear turkeys. Turkeys are staying in the hollers. They're not going anywhere. Couldn't get on any birds that day. And then the weather just got progressively worse. And then we had some yeah. things happen back home. Two of my kids that were still here both started getting sick and getting fevers and stuff and started and it's just it was just one of those deals where we're like, all right, guys, look, we're gonna pull the plug on this one. We're gonna eat the tag and uh we're just, we're just gonna have to head it on back home. So we actually came back a little early. Um, but but the thing was, I got to go on a hunting trip with my five-year-old son, yep. my father-in-law, and his father-in-law. So my my son was on a hunting trip with his dad, his granddad, and his great-granddad. And he will, remember so cool. he will remember that for the rest of his life. We didn't kill a turkey. But he hasn't quit talking about it since we got home. He's so amped up about the fact that he went to go do this. And that's the point, right? It's not what yeah. it's not the act of the hunting. Yes, that's a big part of it. And that is a really cool experience when you get to take an animal, when there's a harvest that happens. But that's not the magic. The magic is what happens in camp with the stories that you tell, the connections that you make. Yeah. When people stop, you know, posturing themselves and it becomes this thing where there's curious and candid conversation and, and everybody's sharing and everybody's receiving and it's just this awesome moment of it, it takes us back to who we were before yeah. all the mess right it yes. takes us back to what the root of our humanity is and, yeah. and that is something that you can't it, it's so hard to replicate that anywhere the only places i've ever felt like hunting camp was either a hunting camp and the only other place was winter strong but that's a yeah yeah like, yeah that's essentially like hunting camp and church combined together right so it is. <laughs> kind of a special <laughs> a special place um but man now that's really freaking cool what you're doing dude, dude you you hit the nail on the head though i just want to i just want to interject a little bit and say man that's i love your attitude towards that too that you know hey you had to pull the plug but you know what you came back and, and look at what your five-year-old boy is doing now. Like he, he's going to remember that the rest of his life. He's going to remember those moments, you know, and uh, that's something that's going to, you know, make an impact on his life forever now. So it's, you're exactly right, man. It's, you get into that moment where, you know, you're in hunting camp with good people, you're eating good food, you're having great conversation. That's what it's all about. And don't get me wrong, I, I love to hunt and, and have an opportunity to kill something like anybody else. And I put a lot of effort and I little, put a lot of hard work into it. But not every, not every uh, hunt is meant for that. And, you know, most hunts aren't meant for that, you know, and that's just how it goes. Um, but if you can have a good attitude and you can take something from those experiences, that's what you'll remember the rest of your life. Yeah, man, I, I'm, that's, that's spot on, Colin. And you know, it's it's not about it's not it's not always about getting the animal. Um, and I, I've I have told people this that have asked me, you know, what about hunting is so what's the draw? And it's never the kill. The kill is the thing I regret the most about a hunt because you're having to take life and that's always a heavy thing. Um, yeah, yeah, absolutely. The, the day that it stops being heavy, you need to put the gun and the bow down until until you reconnect with that. Because that, yeah. to me, that's the, be the, the best part of hunting is that connection that you're getting back to the primal yeah. state, that connection yeah. with nature, that connection with your, your soul, your heart, your body is just immersed in, in the world, the, the physical world around you and not the technological world and not the, the man-made world, but the, the part that, you know, we've been on this earth for however long and as for all the technological advances that we've made, 
you know, we, we still can't create what we see. You know, mm-hmm. and I, you know um, Terrence Mitchell, who, who I've talked about on this podcast before, is a big influence in my life before he passed. And, yep. you know, it, and Brandon Lilly has, has shared this. Something that Terrence said is, you know, for all the science and the technological advancements of humanity, we still do not understand the flight of a bee. And, yeah. and that is, <laughs> that, that, I sat with that for a while and it blew my mind. And I was like, man, that's crazy because we have all of this stuff, all this science, all these gadgets and, and things, but we still don't understand the flight of a bee. And so reconnecting with that natural state, reconnecting with the natural portion of the world, like that is, that is what hunting is for me. And it's also connecting with people. And yeah. I think that is, I think that's awesome, man. And I love the, the venture that you've got going. I, I've been Thank following you. it very closely. Uh, it's something I'm very intrigued in. Hopefully one day can actually come out and join you guys with that. I've, I have heard nothing but great things. You know, you mentioned your camp cook earlier. I talked to Jason last week. Yeah. Um, dude, that's a phenomenal guy in and of himself. Jason. Yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. But you know, man, it's, it's cool. Like we've just, we just have all these really awesome people coming, coming alongside the, the venture and, uh, you know, that's what, that's what makes it, man. It's not me. It's yeah. I'm putting in the work and I'm, I'm grinding. I'm working hard and I've got this vision. I've got this idea, but it's not me that makes the venture happen. It's the people that are surrounding me, people I'm intentionally bringing into the, you know, to help and, and facilitate, you know, some of these hunting camps. Um, and then the people who are obviously investing in the hunting camps, you know, people see value in this and people are getting a certain type of experience that they're looking for because they want to level up and grow in their life. And, that's what this is all about, man. That's where that impact comes from. And I'm just cool. I'm, I'm just glad to be part of the ride. It's, it's really cool. Well, that's, that's a great take on it, man. Just to be able to sit back and, and say that, that, you know, I, I, I know a lot of people who create awesome things and then they, they're like, well, this was all me. This was all everything I did. And, blah, blah. <laughs> yeah. and it's, it's always refreshing to hear somebody say, man, yeah, you know what? I took an idea and I ran with it but all of these awesome people came alongside me and they helped make it better. And so yeah. I, I appreciate, I appreciate that perspective from you. So um, I, I think that comes, that comes from my background, just playing college ball too. And, and, and being a high level athlete, most of my life, you know, we have these amazing coaches that come alongside us and teach us all these things. And, and for me, my coaches were almost my, my father figures, you know, they were my dads in a sense. Um, and I look back and reflect on that and I think, man, those guys never once took credit for the amazing things that they did, how they led us, you know, winning a state championship in high school, going to conference championships in college. Uh, both of my, my head football coaches were amazing men and, and still are amazing men. And, uh, you know, they never once said it was all about me. They said, you know, it, it was a team. It took all of us as a team to, to make this happen. And that's how I look at things in life now. You know, like I kind of alluded to in my 20s, I wasn't a a great guy. It was all about me. It was all about what I was going to get out of things. And now into my 30s, as as I've grown and matured and uh, realized a lot of things and and understood more about what my why is, um, you know, I I really reflect back on my coaches and and the people who influenced me and and how they led, you know, and and the way that they led is they led by example and they made it about the team. And that's what's super special, man. No, absolutely. So let's shift gears just a, just a second, man, because something I want to point out is that you have had an absolutely incredible 
physical transformation too. So not only have you launched a successful business venture that's growing and is really freaking cool, you've also completely turned yourself around physically. Um, I know jujitsu has played a big portion in that and obviously diet has as well. So, um, you know, yeah. this podcast is called Discomfort by Design. And there's a reason for that. And, and for a lot of people, physicality yes. and diet is is the, the highest form of discomfort. So, uh, man, talk about that just a little bit. Tell us a little bit about that, Where what you were to where you are, what spurred that, yeah. how happened, et cetera. Yeah, man, you know, again, you know, being a college athlete and stuff like that, I've always been a guy who, you know, was into fitness, into health, into well-being. But you know how it is, you know, we're, we're, we're lifting a couple times a day and we're, we're getting, you know, we're, we're pretty into it while we're, while we're doing it. Then I walked away from that and started doing the business side of things. And uh, I kind of forgot about my, my physical health, which then deteriorated my mental and emotional and spiritual health as well. So through my 20s, you know, I wasn't always in great shape. I'd, I'd yo-yo in my diet quite a bit. I'd, eat, I'd do good for six months and then I'd be horrible for six months or I'd do good for six months and be horrible for a couple of years, you know? So I've always had this thing where I was going back and forth and I was like, man, I can never sustain this. I can never really um, stay true to where I want to be. And I had the knowledge of it. I just didn't, I didn't have the follow through. I think that was, it was that way in a lot of ways in my life and other areas as well. So I had to kind of get back to, to step one and say, you know what? Um, it's time to, uh, it's time to, you know, work on my, on my physique, not, not in the sense of, you know, from an ego driven place, but from a, Hey, I want to be as high performing as I can. I want to achieve great things in life. And I want to lead the people around me, especially my kids and my, and my wife, the best I can. So I remember waking up, you know, after the COVID stuff, um, in 2020, uh, towards the end of 2020, you know, uh, I started to kind of think about this. I had, I had a baby due. My, my first son was born in that next January, 2021. And I just remember waking up on January 1st, New Year's morning. And I looked in the mirror and I was like, what the heck is going on? Like I've let myself go way, way too far here. And, uh, you know, it kind of hit me is like, man, I have a baby coming. Like, this is my son, my first son. I have two daughters as well. And, my son, I want to be able to play with my son and, 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 you know, be around him for a long time. And I want to be around my kids for a long time. And I want to, I want to be per performing at a high level when I do that. So something just really hit me. And I think it's just that fatherly instinct to want to grow and be better than you were the day before. So um, I kind of, I said, you know what, enough is enough. It's time to get on a good path here. And from there, it just it kind of was a goal. My goal was, okay, it's going to start out as kind of a, I'm going to work out, I'm going to try to work out 20 days a month, if, you know, for a hardworking dad, somebody who doesn't have a ton of time, who's, you know, a business owner, those kinds of things, I should be able to work out at least for an hour for 20 days a month, which would, you know, be roughly, you know, five days a week. So, you know, that's, that's a run, a walk, a hike. Um, a lift, you know, jujitsu, whatever, you know what I mean? I should be able to do that at least, at least five days a week, you know, come on. And uh, if I'm taking this serious. So that's kind of where my path started. And I was at 290 pounds on January 1st, uh, 2021. And uh, that whole year, I, I basically dedicated whole, all of 2021 to my health. And uh, it was pretty cool as I progressed forward, as I started working out, 
into January and into February, I was like, man, you know, I'm starting to lose a little bit of weight. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm feeling better, kind of getting back on track here. Um, and then I, uh, I was like, you know what, what's this, what's the next level here? You know, I, you know, so I started looking into other things that I could do in my workouts other than just lifting and running and walking and hiking. I was like, there's gotta be something else here. And, and, and so I started looking into jujitsu. I had a, a good buddy, my buddy, Ryan Mickler, he'd been raving to me for years. Like, man, you got to do this jujitsu thing. You're a former high school wrestler. You know, you know, like this is your, this is, this is you, like you'll be able to, you'll be good at this. So I started looking into Brazilian jujitsu and I said, you know what? All right, I'm going to try it. I'm going to, I'm going to put the ego aside and I'm going to try it. So I ended up uh, walking into a gym one day and uh, I got my butt handed to me, man. Like it, that whole, I mean, I almost puked a couple different times in that class, um, you know, while training man, it was, it was horrible. But in my head, you know, I, I had this thing inside of me. I, I was starting to level up, you know, I was starting to see progress. I was like, you know what, this is what I need. I need this discomfort. I need to do something that's different that I'm not used to. This is what's going to push me to another level. So that's what I did. I, you know, you know, you're speaking about discomfort by design. That was by design. I knew I needed that discomfort. I knew I needed to uh, take it to another level in my life. And that this is going to be the way it was. So that was the next kind of step is I started doing jujitsu a couple times a week. I started, uh, you know, um, lifting three, three times a week. And I started going for runs a couple times a week. So with this mix, I started to gain this momentum. And from there I was like, all right, what's the next step now? <clears throat> and of course, you know, it was my, is my, it was my, um, my food and my macros and my calories and, and just my diet, those kinds of things. And I was like, okay, I know a little bit about this, but I, I, I'm not perfect at this stuff. I need to get somebody around me to help me with this side of it. So I ended up hiring actually a trainer, um, his name is Josiah Novak, and he kind of came alongside me now for that side of it. You know, I was being consistent in the gym, you know, in my lifts, in my, in my jujitsu, those in my training. But now it was like, all right, now it's time to get consistent and get on fire um, for my diet. So that was what I did next. And that just changed everything. I mean, between jujitsu and then getting on track with my diet, I mean, I started killing it, man. It was awesome. And the momentum, it wasn't just trying to do everything at one time. And that's one thing I want to mention, you know, all these, <laughs> a lot of people I talk to who have seen my transformation over the last couple of years, you know, they, they have this thing where they, man, I tried to do all these things and it didn't work for me. Well, that's just it. You're trying to do all these things at one time instead of letting the snowball effect take, you know, happen, you know, you, you, you need to slow down and do one thing, get, you know, get disciplined in it, and then move on to the next thing, and then keep working those things in as it snowballs you forward, and that's kind of what I did, is I, I got my workouts in, I got my diet dialed in, and it just continued to snowball forward, I started to see the weight starting to come off, the fat started coming off, the muscles, I started putting on muscle, you know, it was amazing, how it happened. And by September of 2021, I was down to 215 pounds, which was pretty damn cool. And uh, I felt like a whole new man. I'm a whole new person. Um, and with that, Taylor, it wasn't just the physical transformation. It was a mental transformation. It was an emotional transformation. It was a spiritual transformation. Not only did I transform my body, but I transformed my mind. And my relationships now with my wife and my kids and my friends and my community are better. Um, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm, here I am starting a new business, uh, you know, high caliber hunts. I want to 
I want to level up the people around me through my own business um, ventures. You know, it's, it's, it's all about, you know, having balance all the way around you. And when you start to do one thing, it snow, snowballs into so many areas. But yeah, that's a little bit about my transformation. And that transformation just continues to go forward. Like it's my lifestyle now. It's something I'm going to be doing the rest of my life because I love it. I enjoy it. It's not hard for me anymore. It's, I mean, yeah, you, you have days where you don't want to do it, but that's when you say, you know what, this is worth it. It's time to get uncomfortable. It's time to keep moving forward and keep leveling up. So, you know, I'm, I'm continually adding different things or trying new things to, to make it hard and to try to make it, you know, where I need to continue to move forward. So. No, man, that's, that's phenomenal. And I love what you said about how you started out. I'm going to go to the gym and I'm going to exercise for one hour, 20 yep. times in a month. Like yep. if, if you break down how, how much time that is, you know, it's 24 hours a day, 30 days in the average month, you're talking about less than one full day of time. Yeah. You know, you're 20 hours, man, and it's a fraction of the time that you spend on whatever in a month. And, and I love that because it's a very attainable goal. And I think as, as someone who's in the, the strength conditioning profession, uh, as someone who has been the size of a house with a head on it and dropped it, <laughs> um, you know, I, I, I feel you, man. I, I, I stopped getting on a scale when I saw 380 something. And so I know I got bigger <laughs> after that. Um, but anyway, that's, that's not neither here nor there. Um, but as someone who has done that to a point and still has more to go, I, I completely feel that it resonates with me, that smaller goal, because I think yeah. the biggest problem that people have is they're like, I'm going to lose 150 pounds. And they're like, <laughs> excuse me. Good you're, luck. What? And in, instead of saying, Hey, look, I'm going to take this time and I'm going to lose this much weight. And then we're going to reevaluate at the end. Yep. So I'm going to lose five pounds in a month. Awesome. Yeah. Oh, cool. I lost 12 pounds in a month. Nice. I'm capable of a little more. Let's push the envelope and let's keep going. And, and I think that's where, where people make a mistake is they, they try to, you know, get to that end result in too big of a hurry and it's not sustainable and it doesn't become the lifestyle like you've seen yes. it become. You know, like you look at guys like Brandon Lilly who went from 350 to 220 yes. and you go look at his Instagram and he's got how like, you know, that day counter on there. Yep. And, and he's yep. at like day 1200 or something like that. Like it's absolutely <laughs> yeah. asinine. Plus and, one, baby. <laughs> and so his, the plus one mentality. I love yep. the plus yep. one mentality. And so like that, that's phenomenal, man. I think that, and I think that it applies to more than just physical changes. So like anything that you're wanting to accomplish, anything that you're wanting to do, yes, you need to put all of your effort into that, but you have to do so in a way that's conducive to everything yeah. else that you have to do. Because if you'd have jumped in it with both feet and put all of your effort into that and said to heck with everything else, you might be, 215 pounds with a chiseled six pack, but you're probably gonna be divorced and not seeing your <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? So like, what's, work, yeah. what's, what's the trade off there? And, and so I think that as men, especially, we have, a, we have a tendency to jump both feet into something and to put blinders on and to just pigeonhole ourselves into something to where we're like, this is what we're doing, come hell or high water and everything else be darned. But you can't do that. that that's not sustainable. And, yeah. and finding that that avenue where it is sustainable, where the ebb and the flow happens, where one day, you know what, you may not get to go to jujitsu tomorrow, 
but you can go on a walk with your wife and your kids. Yep. And so like figuring out that part of it is, is absolutely essential to, to making it sustainable. Because if it's just a checkbox items, it's just a list of items where you've just got to check the boxes, then, yeah. then you're not doing anything. <laughs> it's right? old real quick. It does. And, and that's why people yeah. leave it and it doesn't become something that's sustainable. And sometimes the discomfort is slowing down. Yeah. And so and that that is something that that I know I know several people who struggle with of just being able to say, hey, man, you need to slow down. You need to go a little slower and you need to be a little more intentional about what you're doing and, and stop running through here like a bull in a china shop. Yeah. And man, that's hard for some folks. to do. Well, I, I think especially if you're somebody who is getting back in on this health and fitness journey, like there's there's something to be said for that now. For a guy like Cam Haynes, or even where I'm at now, like I don't want to slow down. I feel great. I feel amazing. Like I'm I'm full steam ahead. How do I take days where I take a little rest break and and recollect and re and center myself? Yeah, I do. I work that into my schedule in the right ways. Like when I'm on a hunt or I'm uh you know doing a, a family trip or something like that. But it's still on my mind. I'm like, man, I <laughs> I missed my workout today. Like I I feel something. <laughs> something feels a little off here, you know, but that's just because I've built that into my lifestyle now. Um, but yeah, you're right. It, <coughs> excuse me. It's, it's bite-sized chunks. You know what I mean? You gotta, you gotta do these little, you know, the plus one mentality, like you mentioned, Brandon, man, he, what an inspiration he's been to me and what a mentor from afar he's been for me. Um, just seeing kind of his own journey. And that's really what that was for me. It's, it's kind of taking that same idea and saying, you know what, I'm going to do these small you know, attainable goals, and I'm going to let that momentum carry me forward. And I think that's where, where most people need to start. They need to do these, you know, these small chunks and let it let that momentum carry forward. But now here's the thing. It's not going to be easy. It's never going to be easy, no matter what. It's going to be hard. It's going to take time. You're going to have to have discipline. You're going to have to have those. There's many moments and many times where, you know, it was 10 o'clock at night, I hadn't got a workout in today or yet in that day. And I said, you know what? The kids are down for bed. My wife's, you know, getting the house cleaned up or, you know, doing her thing. You know what? I could sit here and watch a, a baseball game on TV or watch a show on YouTube or whatever, or I can go to the gym. You know what I chose to do? I chose to go to the gym. It wasn't an, always an easy choice for me. But once you start doing it, it becomes a habit and it becomes a part of your discipline. And you enjoy it. Now I love going to the gym. I, I barely watch any TV. I'll watch a few baseball games here and there, but I don't really watch any TV, <laughs> you know, and, and I work on my business. I work, you know, I spend time with my family and I work out and, and work on my health and, and nutrition. So it's, it's cool how you, uh, you get on that path, man, and it just changes your whole lifestyle and it becomes, it becomes what you're all about. And then here's, here's, here's the kicker. Like now I've got a lot of people surrounding me that want to do the same thing and they want to, what's the secret sauce, you know, and there is no secret sauce. You still got to put in the work. You just got to do it a certain way and, and don't burn yourself out. So that's where I've started to do a little bit of coaching on the side as well. And, and I'm trying to help, you know, different people attain their goals and, and work on their lifestyle so that they can have a change in their life. Man, no, I love it. I absolutely love it. And I think every time you become intentional, anytime you become intentional with anything, you begin to trim the fat and you begin to, yep. you know, take off the things that are unnecessary and, and get rid of mm -hmm. it. And, and I think that if anything was a secret sauce, intentionality has got to be the secret <laughs> yeah. sauce. It's, 
you know, in, in, a, in a marriage, in a business, in, in anything. You've got to be intentional. It, it's never just fly by night. You have to, have to, have to be intentional. So, man, I think, uh, I think that's a great place to kind of wrap this thing up. So do me a favor right quick, man. Tell everybody where they can find you, where they can find High Caliber Hunts and, uh, and check you out. Yeah, man. You can go to uh, highcaliberhunts.com. That's probably the best place to find out a little bit about High Caliber Hunts. Um, but honestly, I'm most active on Instagram, and I know that's where you and I connect quite a bit. Yep. Um, if anybody wants to wants to connect with me there, give me a follow and just drop me a message. Let me know you heard heard me on the podcast today, and uh, if you have any questions about anything or you, you you need some help with something, I'm all about that. I love to help people out. You know, I think that's what's most important in life is helping others, and I get the most ful- ful- fulfillment in my life from helping others. So, reach out. Let's get you you on a good path. Let's uh, let's do what we have to do to to get your mindset changed about different things, and and then maybe we'll see you in a high caliber hunting camp at some point as well. Yeah, man, for sure. So, buddy, hey, thanks for being on the show today. I'm definitely gonna have you back on in in, in some time. We'll connect back up, see how high caliber hunts and Colin Cottrell have grown and changed, and what all is <laughs> going on, man. I'm looking forward to that one. Hey, thanks again, Taylor. I appreciate it, buddy, and and. You, uh, you take care, and, and I look forward to catching up with you again soon and hopefully in person. Yeah, buddy. We'll see you. Awesome. You've been listening to the Discomfort by Design podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe to the show and leave a review, and we'll see you next time.